there's this bonus. We need to rethink what are we doing when we when we retreat into our own homes? What what's going on? Now, the the simple understanding could be well, you know, we're going back to a state of 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 basics. You know, just that kind of taking away all the extraneous stuff that's become part of our life and recognizing a lot of it is just really clutter. All these things that we felt we really needed to do and they they crucial for our, our, our sanity and our being. We recognize that we don't need those things and we can just go back to a much more basic style of living. So I listened to Rav Leuchter and he made a really interesting point. The letters of Adam spell the word Ma'od because the nature of our human uh, condition is the capacity to always want more. And when we retreat to our homes and we're left with a very basic kind of life where there's very little we can actually do outside of this confined space. So going back to basics may be a good thing in terms of getting the clutter out of our lives, but there's a much more basic power inside of us, which is the need for expansion the need to transcend and the need to go above and beyond the limitations of myself. We're always trying to strive beyond the limitations of myself. And when we get stuck in just being with myself, so that becomes almost dehumanizing. It's very famous, Viktor Frankl's book on the Holocaust, Dreading Not in the Holocaust, called Man's Search for Meaning, where he discovers a form of therapy that he later called logotherapy. But it's based on the notion that meaning is the fundamental requirement even for basic survival. And meaning implies the ability to me, for me to understand that my life is not the end point. My life is part of a much bigger thing. There's something beyond me just waking up and fulfilling my basic needs. Basic existence is not satisfying, and basic existence, for the sake of it, is in fact not human. So if I want to expand my humanity, I need to expand it on a regular basis. The problem is our present situation is restrictive, and the kind of things that we'd like to do to promote expansion are now no longer available. So what we need to do is we have to be adaptable in terms of seeking that power of expansion. One of the things we started speaking about yesterday was the notion of the cyclical and rhythm, the cyclical nature and the rhythm of the world. And the world itself has a rhythm of contraction and expansion because the world um, can be in a state of expansion, which we call a state of light. We can see things, it's visible, it's far reaching. And there's a state of darkness, which is very difficult to see beyond a very short um, space no real accessibility to what's around us. And both those periods of time, whether they be the times of when we're really succeeding and it's going well, or the periods of struggle, have their approach. One of the most fundamental things about Torah is its global nature. Torah is not there to help us when we are davening in shul and when we are doing religious observances. Rather, Torah is the integrated experience of life. And one of the most powerful things about the period that we're going through now is living that. Because the religious worship side of our life has been severely curtailed. 
A lot of people have no access. Shuls have been closed down. And therefore, the religious, religiosity of Torah has almost been diffused. We're left with the reality of Torah. And the reality of Torah speaks to every situation. One of the classic examples that the Baalei Musa bring is the Ashes Yifas Torah. There's a man who's put into the throes of war. And in that moment where his life is in danger and he's so vulnerable, he meets a very attractive non-Jewish woman. And he feels um, drawn towards her. And he wants to essentially, you know, um, have a fling with her. So what does the Torah say? The Torah doesn't say, what are you talking about? This is completely not allowed. How dare you even allow such a thought to cross your mind? The Torah says, I understand in that situation, when a person reaches that level, there's actually no negotiation with him. He's going to be doing a Mavera. And if he, if he doesn't, if there's not an approach that allows him to deal with how he can live and deal with a Yetzer, which is so powerful, so then the Torah will become irrelevant to, to his life. So it says, The Torah speaks to the Yetzer. And it says, Okay, even in this situation, there's an approach that if you meet a non-Jewish woman, we can figure out a way of how you're going to deal with that. We recognize it's going to be really hard for you to resist the temptation. And she's seducing you. And you're in a position where you're extremely, extremely vulnerable. This is the way it works. And the Torah is a whole way of dealing with it. Now, the point is not exactly the details of how the Torah deals with it, but it's the sensitivity that the Torah acknowledges that there are multiple difficult and trying situations where we confront during life. And in each situation, the point is not to be religious. The point is, how do I respond in the situation with meaning, conviction, and perspective? And every situation is different. And every situation, um, depending on the, the, the nature of how limited I am, will allow a lack of resources spiritually for me to have at my access. So in the case of the Yifastar, you couldn't say to this guy, how can you even look at her? Go, turn around and go home. He doesn't have that spiritual resource. He doesn't have a level of self-control. So what should he do? Well, this is what he should do. He should succumb to that desire because he's not going to fight it. But then he should have an approach to bring her back to his home and arranging a certain format of how she's going to behave, etc., etc., etc. So you see that the point in Torah is always to respond to the situation, taking into consideration the nature of where we're at. Sometimes it's a place of expansion, maybe enormous spiritual reserves, and sometimes it's a place of total contraction and we really have nothing to deal with. And then work with what we have. A lot of people are saying, you know, Rob, I'm kind of having a really tough time. I don't know what to do. I can't feel like I can daven. So there's an interesting rhetoric as well in terms of davening. He says as follows. Alias um, Palam is a Gemarin Brochus. Gemarin Brochus says that um, it talks about a person that went into a into a chuva. It went into a ruin, ruin, and the Eliyahu Navi meets meets him after he comes out of the ruin. And he says to him, "What did you go into the ruin for?" So he says, well, I wanted to daven. So he says, but you should have on the road. It's dangerous to go into ruins. There's, there's whatever, there's danger there. So he says, I don't want to daven on the pathway because I would be scared that I'd be disturbed by Oivei Drochim. 
people wayfarers would disturb my thriller. So here's a guy that it's almost the characteristic at um, running away from the situation I'm in. I'm in a situation, I'm on the road, and I need a daven. Well, how should I daven? So the person said, well, I can't, I can't daven where I am, um, Reb Yossi. I can't daven where I am because I get disturbed. So I have to go somewhere else. But the place I'm going to isn't safe. So really, Yonavi comes to him and he says, no, 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 no. Don't try find a different context and do the perfect avoider. The avoider that's perfect is the avoider that you're going to do in this context. So he says to Yonavi, what should I have done? So he said, you should have done the abbreviated version of the Shimon Esrei. There's an abbreviated version of the Shimon Esrei, which is called Avinenu, which takes all of the middle 13 brochas and fuses them into one. And therefore you land up as mamash like, it's a Tfilah Ketzorah. It's like, it's, it's the size of the Tfilah that you daven on Shabbat. So you've got the first three brochas, the, the last three brochas, and then the middle brocha is just a contra. Ah, here's Aiden. Where are you, Aids? We in the middle of a shear. No problem. So we're in the okay. we're in the middle of the Sorry. of the Gemara, which says that that when Rabbi Yossi went into this, he was on the where, on the side, and he goes into this ruin to daven, and Yonavi meets him and says, "But why do you go into the ruin?" And he says, "Well, because I couldn't daven properly on the on the road." So he says, "Well, okay." Um, you couldn't daven properly on the road, but you should have, you should have, you should have um, come out and davened the Tefillah Ketzara. Tefillah Ketzara is of an abbreviated form. What's the chat? Well, isn't it better to daven sh- full Shmon Esrei? So Eliyahu said to him, no, 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 no. You have to take every situation and you have to respond to the situation. And the ideal avoider is not an objective standard, but a purely subjective and contextual standard. And therefore, what's my avoider when I'm in Bidud and I'm isolated and I'm quarantined? My avoiding isn't the same. It depends on who I am. If I'm a kind of person that responds to, to Twitter, and for me, having the opportunity to daven by myself is a huge opportunity because I don't feel rushed by the Shlech Tzibur, and I can literally get into every word. That's amazing. That's amazing. You should go for it. But what if I'm a person that actually gets easily distracted? And now I'm, I've actually got the whole day to daven. So should I daven the whole day? So you see from this, um, this Gemara, and Reb Tzadik goes on, and I'll show you what he says shortly. You see from this Gemara that actually you have to be sensitive. And if you've got limited resources and you can only concentrate for 20 minutes, so then you should daven for 20 minutes. He says as follows. If you're in a situation where if you realize you're going to get all messed up in the middle and you're not going to have peace of mind, so don't daven. Daven a shortened version. It's better doing a little bit properly than a lot where you're not focused at all. And so in every situation, every time, when you can't manage the Tfilin, you should daven a shortened tefillah. So now, Aminag is not to actually daven a havinayinu as far as I, you know, you can ask a posek if it's muta. But even without tefillah's havinayinu, how do we approach our voida when we're in isolation? So the Reptolik is saying that we approach our voida with a sensitivity to who we are. 
avoider when we're by ourselves is a whole new avoider. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to recognize the situation and transcend it because we are more. How do we become more in a situation which is less? We look at the situation and we find with the resources we have how we can transcend the situation. And each and every one of us is going to be radically different. And that's why this, the present situation we're in, is an incredible training for an acknowledgement of the individual path in our Vedas Hashem. Because right now, each and every one of us has got a completely different situation. We're no longer community, community or, or, or unified in a community where we just go with the community. Now we have to almost take our own tack and how we're going to carve out our Vedas Hashem. And the carving out of that Vedas Hashem has to be perfectly aligned to myself and my Krechas and to a vision that I'd like to use this opportunity to transcend beyond it, as opposed to becoming, um, falling into the, the limitations and feeling imprisoned, we're only as imprisoned as we allow ourselves to be. We can take away, you can take away a person's physical freedom to move around. You can take down access to relate to other people. But the one thing that we can never ever lose is our internal freedom. And right now we've been given a charge to expand on internal freedom. What that means is to develop a deeper relationship with the depths of who I am as a person. A practical way of doing this is um, simply by, by writing, by writing a diary and writing to myself about myself and gaining insights to who I am. Because in this situation, you know, uh, there's a video that's been going around from Natan Sharansky. He was in, he was in uh, prison for nine years for being a refusenik in Russia. And uh, I think of those nine years, uh, a large portion was solitary confinement. Now, solitary confinement is, is a kind of state of existence that most people, most people go insane very quickly. And what he did was he kept his sense of humor, but his, his focus was he played chess in his head. So he had something out of it. But we have so many more resources. We've got Kola Kula. We've got the, the way and the time and the opportunity to reflect on our future, to look back on our past, to start to feel out and to get to know ourselves. We can really get to know ourselves. And getting to know ourselves means even in a situation where I feel, oh my gosh, I actually I feel so just lethargic, I can't do anything. That's a point of knowledge. And so, okay, what can I do with my lethargy? So I can't do this and this and this, can I do this? And as long as we are addressing our situation, we're winning. The point is not to have some kind of objective, and that's the beauty of this. There is no objective standard for avoidance Hashem. And that's, that's what we're realizing now. But it's always a truth. Even when you're in a minion, your davening has to be according to who you are, where you are at that point in time. Even when, the, when you're up and running, your learning has to be the way it should be for you as you as a person. Granted, we have to coordinate and sink into our larger structures. But now we can really accentuate our internal reality very strongly and synergize it with an expansive quality to think about, 
okay, how can I see inside of myself, in my limitations, a way of striving above them? And that can be in the moment by moment way that we approach the predicament that we're in, and also in terms of projecting ahead and thinking about what I would like to do, where my goals lie. And I think those are crucial points which are necessary for our voida during this very, very um, unique period of time. Unique. You know, I've spoken to people, even old people. I said to my parents, my parents are in the 80s. I said, have you ever experienced anything like this? And they say, we've never experienced anything like this. So this is really precious because it's a unique experience for the entire world. And we have to really, the Bayaradam is, is giving us huge opportunities to, to really make things um, happen. And obviously the, the deepest travesty would be moving away from this with a kind of um, uh, just a memory of, oh, remember that, Baruch Hashem, it's over. This is, this is you know, it's interesting when you, when you in the world of self-development, so there are many kind, different kinds of retreats. Yeah, I saw an interview with an Israeli who was in Tasmania, and he went on a 10-day silent meditation. And he had no, he had no contact. He's in Tasmanian forest. And he came back to the world 10 days later, which was a completely different world. Uh, he seemed extremely calm. But the point was that there are different ways of self-development and many of them involve a kind of a retreat. So we're in a retreat right now. And a retreat, if you frame it in the right way, is the greatest catalyst for self-transformation. So I think we have to use it wisely. Any questions, thoughts, ponderings? Um, Joey. Rov. How are you doing, mate? I've got an information question. Um, what was the tefillah you said that they, they, like combined every, they combined a whole bunch of stuff into? Joey, I realize that me telling you that is a prohibition of putting a stumbling block. Oh, damn it. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, so, so I'm not going to tell you that, but um, <laughs> the idea is a nice idea, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's a nice idea. Oh, damn it. If you, if you consult your, 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 your local Orthodox authority, so then um, I'm happy to reveal the source to you later. Local, Rob, local Orthodox or local modern Orthodox? You know, for me, as long as there's, as long as there's someone you can trust. Good. Um, projection, Joey. <laughs> always. It's always a projection. Okay. Yes. Yoni. Jans, what you bought that slack, slack thing about the defense. I'm losing you. I have lost you. Maybe switch off your video. Yeah, ma. Yeah. <clears throat> Is it better? Uh, yeah, much better. Okay. You know, you had that whole, you, you bought the whole example of the Ben Past. Sorry, what's it? Yeah, the faster, your faster, Asia's your faster. Yeah, yeah. So, like, seemingly nowadays, and I, I mean this like, like genuinely seriously. What about like kids now, like teenagers nowadays, 
like it's kind of it's like kind of in the same little like situation no like they 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 for sure going to go through similar struggles walk on the to- like i don't know but like surely like same kind of basically thing. saying to me based on the precedent of asia's first tour why can't teenagers nowadays have girlfriends <laughs> Uh yeah, even a bit more hectic if I if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I like I'm I'm not like I'm, I don't know this is like genuine. I think he means Shmira Sabers and Shmira Senayim. Thanks, Shudis. <laughs> so yeah, okay. So that's a great question. That's, that's actually maybe something that we'll we'll focus on. Um, maybe we'll work on that tomorrow just as like a, a short kind of intro to that it's you're right it's exactly the same thing it's it's how can a person deal with the the nisayan in a way that's not beyond the resources that he has so let's say if a person feels extremely compromised because he's stuck up in a room and he's got a computer and therefore the temptation to to use it for um inappropriate purposes is almost an it's almost an impossible uh, thing to resist. So, what do you do? What would the what would the Torah say to me to do in the situation? And I think that's a really important question to ask. What would the Torah say to me? Um, I mean, the Torah also understands the nature nature of the earth. The Baruch understands it. So, what would be the mahalach over here? Would the mahalach be to 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 watch, to not watch, to do, not to do, to to limit it, to push it off? To that, that's a great question. That's a really good question. I think the direction is, well, the question that we need to ask ourselves each person in situation is, what kind of mahalach could I have here that would have a good, a good conclusion? And it may even be worth, worthwhile to look at the, the parasha of HSFR's Torah to see the details of how that works. Maybe that's something that we can explore together. But in the meantime, I think our time together has come to an end. So um, if you have no more questions, we will reconvene on Sunday.